Hello and welcome to FSM the podcast. My name is Christian Anderson and I host conversations with creatives in the greater Fox Valley, Wisconsin. This podcast is edited by Logan Lamers with music by Anton Crow. In this episode, I'm chatting with Natalie Herrera Pacheco. Natalie's a Venezuelan artist and scholar that works on the intersection of music with other expressive forms. Natalie holds a doctorate in Latin American literature from the Universidad Complutense in Madrid, Spain, and a master's in ethno-history and a bachelor's of art history from the Universidad de los Andes in Venezuela. As a scholar, her work has encompassed the study of Venezuelan musical rituals and the relationship of music and literature in the work of Dominican writer Marcio Velos Magiolo. She has published articles in scholarly journals in Venezuela and presented papers at conferences in France, Mexico, Venezuela, and Spain. As an artist, her activity centers in images, both still photography and video. Natalie was an artist of residence at Kimia Ensemble, a music collective devoted to the presentation of contemporary concert music in innovative ways. Her character, Fragile, inspired the ensemble's 2017-18 concert season, where she collaborated in intersections of Natalie's video art and Carolina Heredia's music in the works Negative Image and Interludio. Her video art has been presented at venues and festivals, including National Sawdust, Strange Beautiful Music Festival, University of Missouri, Maxonic Experimental Sonic Arts Festival, among others. In photography, her main interest has been photography of musicians and street photography. She's worked as a freelance photographer for the University of Michigan School of Music, Theater, and Dance, faculty members of the Schools of Music at the University of Michigan, University of Missouri, Baylor University, Lawrence University, the Chamber Music Ensembles Chemie Ensemble, and the Ivalas Quartet, and members of the Detroit Symphony Orchestra. Her most recent project is the production of the educative video series, The Voices of Latin American Cello, hosted by the Sphinx Catalog of Latin American Cello Works. Natalie's fluent in Spanish, English, and French, and lives a happy life with her two cats and her husband in Appleton, Wisconsin. Tell me. You do look kind of nervous. I am. Why? I, oh, well, I don't know, but probably because I have to speak, actually, and try to say something that makes sense. <laughs> well, you've always made sense to me, so... But you are not like a good person to ask. What, what do you mean by that? <laughs> because am I a little suspect with my... With my opinions or something or thoughts, or? you are probably a good, um, good making sense of stuff that doesn't. Oh, and probably that's like why we get along. Oh, it's it's the artist in us, huh? Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so if you're not speaking, which you do well, and you're really interesting to talk to, you're usually behind a camera. Yeah. Well, sometimes I am be- behind a camera, but. Lately, I have been writing more than taking pictures. So probably the thing that I love the most is try to get a message, mm-hmm. probably in a paper or an, or an image. Yeah. So that's what I try to do. I saw you were doing poetry. That's, is that kind of where you've been going with your work? Yeah, I was working for a, like for four years or something like that on my dissertation for my doctoral. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of exhausting. And when I stopped, I kind of retake my free writing. And it's mostly like poetry and, and it is mostly in Spanish. Yeah. 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 What do you get out of doing poetry that you don't get from um, your photography or your videography? Because you do some of that work too. What What is... Um, 
what's different and are there um, more things you can explore with poetry that you can't with a still or video image? Like, why are you leaning towards that right now? Probably because it's more, more direct. Mm -hmm. It's just you and the piece of paper and the pencil and your ideas. Yeah. And um, I probably video is something that needs more time and it develops in another pace and mm -hmm. photography too. And something that I have been feeling right now is that it is, for me at least, difficult to get um, involved in human interactions, like naturally. Yeah. So then I was working on like self-portraits and I got tired of myself. I don't want to see me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and I would love to talk about those at some point during and this because I think those are fascinating. So that's why probably I'm like kind of writing more right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny is maybe not funny, but something I was thinking about when you're saying your poetry is more direct, but as a non-Spanish reading person myself, you know, I look at, it, I can, I can pick out some things I understand, but then it's not quite like an image. So it is more direct and maybe for you possibly, but for a lot of people looking at your work, it might be a complete mystery at that point. Yeah, but probably whatever you do is a mystery for others and people get the message that they, they can get. That's why it is probably right now a cliche, but the things that you do are not yours anymore once you put it outside. Mm -hmm. So it's from people to discover what is the meaning there. Yeah. But for me, it's definitely more direct and sometimes there are like different ideas, ideas that are from different experiences yeah. and that suddenly get together in a sentence. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's like kind of liberating. Yeah, yeah. I think that's how um, like a lot of abstract painters might think of doing how their work. They take a couple of ideas that maybe don't necessarily mash together and see what happens when you put them together and, and you know, where do they fight and where do they um, work in harmony and, and what new things can you discover with those? Absolutely. And something that is good about it is that because I'm not expecting anybody to read it and anybody to do anything with that is completely use, you know, useless. You know I'm going to post a link where people can read your words. So. <laughs> That's okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it's completely useless. It's something that you put there without any compromise. You, it's just there. Yeah. So it's, it's like putting a message in a bottle and you just leave it there. Yeah, yeah. Messages and bottles. Now I'm going to go right into your water series of photographs that you take because there's a certain um I, I should describe this but people can uh, i'll have a link in the podcast and they can take a look at this series of works but um it's a black and white photography you do film right you, everything you do is print or sometimes i use film but yeah. also digital uh, also digital yeah but then these um the, the series that I'm thinking of right now, these water series, they're just like these uh, a horizon line that's usually, mm, a lot of them are kind of just horizon line right across the center, I think. And it's really a, that frozen stillness that the camera can give, but it is such a singular moment that I think really drew me in when I was looking at the work. And I'm thinking about your, you know, you talk about your poetry in that singular moment also. Do you have any kind of ties between those images of water that you were doing? And maybe you could talk about what those actually mean to you and how it might translate into the poetry you're doing right now. Well, I think everything is related. There is no way to like draw lines that separate what one, one thing from another. But... I am originally from Barquisimeto, and my city is very dry. There is no water close. And uh, we had like some rivers that in my father's hometown, so we used to go there and go to the river. And with my family, I only went once to the beach. Yeah. Just that, that, that was all, and that's, I think, the only vacation that I ever had with them that I can remember. So, like, even though... Just one vacation with them. Just one vacation. Just one, and this yeah. is it, okay. 
So that was like very special, like going to the beach. And we are a Caribbean country. We have the longest Caribbean mm -hmm. coast in our part of the of the that space. So even though we are from there, I don't have so mem many memories of the Caribbean Sea, yeah. but I love it. Then as an adult, I went to the beach and I had fun. So something that surprised me, amazed amazed me, and intrigued me is the extension of water, the water landscape. Probably because it was a luxury yep. to go to the water. Right. So every time I get to the water, I want to go in and play and go. I feel like I, I am just a little kid and yeah, yeah. I just want to be there. And, and probably photographing those landscapes is a way of owning, to take that part of the, the water and bring it to me. And mm -hmm. finally... It's an act of justice. <laughs> justice. Okay, I get that. Because I don't know if I see necessarily play in the photography mm -hmm. you take, but I definitely see a reverence for the water and um, really just a, a appreciation for that beauty. And I, I think I can understand if you're talking about the lack or, you know, um, in, in Venezuela or yet, where you were from, um, your hometown... I, I can understand that reverence of water as you're, you know, capturing it in, in photo. So that's that's beautiful. How long were you in Venezuela and, and how did you make the... Why did you leave? Well, that's like a very long story that has like different sites. But we left, um, my husband and I, because mm -hmm. um, he had the opportunity to do uh, postgraduate studies. Mm -hmm. And after a series of events, it happened that we came here to Michigan. So at the moment, we thought, well, probably we'll be here doing the, 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 his studies and then go back. Yeah. But things there start getting worse and worse, and the political situation was becoming like crazy. And at the same time, there were like little opportunities open here and we decided to stay. Yeah. yeah. And that was in, oh my God, 10 years ago. I can't believe that. Okay. Time goes so fast. So yeah. Fast. Yeah. Yeah. But that's why we came here. And I remember like the first time we went to Ikea, we were <laughs> trying to f see things that could, we could bring back to our apartment there. Right. And we haven't been there in six years. Well, the problem with going to Ikea is is you end up buying so much stuff. It's not easy to transport that back to any apartment because you buy an apartment's worth <laughs> of new items <laughs> when you go there. Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but then you didn't just, I mean, we're in, in Wisconsin, so obviously you didn't stay in Michigan that whole time. But you also kind of went elsewhere during this time, right? You weren't just in the Midwest. You Well, yeah, when we came here, I started my doctoral program in France in mm -hmm. anthropology. Yeah. And that was like an amazing opportunity, but I couldn't continue because I needed to do more field work and my field was in Venezuela. Yeah. So I couldn't do like the Venezuela, France and the states like in, in that period of time, because I needed to be like in several places and that requires a, a, a huge amount of money. So yeah. I couldn't like continue there, but I was there for some month. And then because I wanted to do something that I, con I could control, I, I always like worked with kind of something related to music. Mm -hmm. So I went to... Um, another doctoral program uh, for Latin American literature, mm -hmm. and that was in Spain. Yeah. And I worked there with the relationship between one author, uh, Marcio Velosmayolo, and the way that he uh, used music in his novels. So I was like doing a little bit that because of, of course, like getting some education here is like crazy expensive and <laughs> euro is right. almost for nothing and it's very high quality education as well yeah and now was that the i don't know what exactly what the name of the project was that the was that the sphinx project is that so that was the beginning of that correct no that's no. something okay. that I, that's something that started 
like several years ago by a Venezuelan cellist called Germán Marcano. Mm-hmm. And it was actually in the University of Wisconsin, but by chance in Madison. So he did his doctoral pro, uh, project on Latin American music written for the cello, and yep. he edited that work. Then Horacio, my husband, started w- working with Herman in order to, do, to make a digital version of that work and make it available for everybody for free. Mm-hmm. And that's why we get involved with things. So I was helping them during the whole project, but then the last year I have been like officially working with them for that project. Sure. And we expanded the, the work, um, which is a catalog for uh, music for, written for cello, but also for viola mm-hmm. by Latin American composers. And that's sola now, And that's correct? sola, yeah. Okay. Strings of Latin America. Strings of Latin America, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it is kind of a mix of, of art and of music, but also it's now taking, I think, some of that anthropology love that you have and cataloging and understanding and um do you see looking at this music from an anthropological eye or is it more an appreciation eye or or how are you approaching your work with sola it is an interesting thing because i did music for so long Mm -hmm. and, and i used to play the cello so it is a way to getting in touch with that aspect of my life yeah so that's very irrational and related to my feelings. And I can see also that um, project uh, in an anthropological way, because yeah, it is Latin American, it's a whole piece of territory, but every country has their uh, own dynamics there. Mm -hmm. And the way that they put the music and the composer think about their music is different from one side of another of in in terms of gender and those kind of dynamics change. Yeah. So you can see that there. And it is definitely an appreci- appreciation too. And I am like with my Spotify open and discovering the music because the amount of things you know is like too little. There is no way you can know like everything. So you get into pieces every day that you don't know. And you yeah. are putting all that together in lists that are there for not only for performers or for composers, but also for musicologists and ethnomusicologists. Mm-hmm. And you're not just like focusing on contemporary work, right? It's, no. it's like a, a, a true history catalog of yeah. this music. Yeah. Yeah. What changes have you seen over the time of, you know, of, uh, and yeah, it is hard to say to lump it all together because there are so many, you know, all the different countries have such mm-hmm. specifics to them, but... Has, have you seen any progressions in Latin music that you were um, surprised as you were doing this cataloging pro, you know, process? Well, something that is interesting to me is to see how our, we have a, like a, some interns that are working with us, and some of them, the, one of them, Sarah Smith, was very interested in music composed by female composers. Yeah. And she got to show me uh, the music by an uh, Argentinian composer. I can't remember her name. Uh, Stella Bringer, I think, is her name, probably. Probably I'm making a mistake. <laughs> but is, she was a pioneer doing like an electronic music, uh, mixing those oh, stuff. Okay. So that's something that, like, seeing things for me is one, I can see some differences and changes but what amazed me probably, and I don't know if I'm answering your question, is to see how these interns approach this music mm-hmm. and how they think innovation or changes, changes, changes in there. Yeah. So that's interesting to me. Oh, I think that's, that's fantastic. And, you know, I was just um, thinking about how our Fox Valley Symphony Orchestra here in Appleton is making such a point of not just... Um, playing, performing the music of dead white men, but instead really looking at, um, you know, diversifying um, and playing the music that is created by women or, you know, women identifying composers, composers that are still living, composers of of color. Because um, I think that there is, in the United States, we see that Europeanized version of what 
classical music is. And I guess I'm really glad the, that you're doing the work you're doing, and I, I hope that we get to see more of it here in our... Well, he, he, your husband works at Lawrence, and so does the work you're doing right now, does that translate through Lawrence and somehow, and, and then it's going to drift into our community here? Well, it, yes, our work is based in Lawrence and is because of Lawrence that we have the internship program. Okay, yeah. And that's amazing that they are doing that and they are supporting our, our work on that. And something that I have been seeing in Horacio's student is their interest in Latin American music. Mm -hmm. And they want to play it and they want to discover and uh, add it into their programs. So I hope that this wave of kids that are interested in that also inspire other students not only to play music from Latin America but other musics from even from this country or other countries to kind of diversi diversify their, their view and right. something that is hard I, I think is that in order to discover you need a, a will like a, a something like a force um, something that motivated to, to go and do the, the research mm -hmm. and what happened with the white male <laughs> classical music is that it's, it's like hundreds of years of musicology and editions that are available. So you don't have to do anything in, in order to get the music to order it by Amazon um, or other like publishing houses. So right. in order to play this other music, you have to do something else. And what I love young people to get inspired is to do that move and to get to know who are those people that are almost your age that are like thinking and rethinking uh, this world in, ter in terms of music here or in other places? So that's our our hope. Yeah. Have you seen um, any of the Lawrence, and this is Lawrence University here in Appleton, any of the Lawrence students changing their own compositions and starting to take on some of these um um, patterns that you might unearth that are not strictly, you know, things that we might not be completely aware of, thinking of the European canon that we usually listen to with? I haven't. Okay. But I hope that can happen at some point. Yeah. Yeah. You don't worry about, like, appropriation or anything, do you? No, at all. I think that probably... and. I am not in this discussion. <laughs> I probably am too old and I don't understand this problem, but I feel that right now there is a, um, we are so focused in putting tax into everything. Yeah. And this, uh, our search for understanding and freedom is, are, are putting this society too scared of making mistakes and, mm -hmm trying to protect borders between one things and between those tags. Mm -hmm. so I believe that probably at some point this will become something easier to navigate, but right now it's, it's kind of scary. Apparently you should just talk about yourself and the yeah. weather. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> right. So I feel that we should be a little bit freer to try and see things and incorporate them into your work and ex make experiments with that without that fear. Yeah. I think um, very often what can happen is um, we might, and we meaning generally, general we, um, too loose with things, have a realization and then become exact opposite and super strict. And once I think those two boundaries are understood and, and why they're there and why things are important to have those conversations, then I think we, general we, um, start to do a little more exper experimentation and kind of blurring those boundaries that you're kind of hinting that maybe we should be at already or if I'm reading, if I'm understanding you correctly. Absolutely, yeah. And I think like getting influences and in this global world mm -hmm. is we need to get used to that and and be proud of it and feel that of course we need like an, an amount of respect too yeah and also we need to acknowledge if we make mistakes but you know all we won't go there please but the cancel <laughs> culture is i think oh. is something that is making so much harm right now yeah 
I was, um, I don't know what I was doing, going through Instagram or something. And, you know, they were talking about, there was a post about cancel, cancel culture and, oh no, it was a, um, a newsletter and the email and talking about certain artists that, you know, have been canceled. And then I think about, oh goodness, those are, that's just because those are the ones that we actually know about. <laughs> right. I don't know. It's yeah. a strange thing. Yeah, it it's, is. It is. It is very strange how it can just be that on-off switch, but it's only kind of based off of what's been finally unearthed, and I yeah. really don't know. So, um, I would really love to talk about your photography it's because cool. that's <laughs> you know how I first got to know you was was through your images, and. Um, I had first seen images. You were following a uh, uh, a dance company, I think, across Europe or something. Correct? Was that? No, I was. I had, were they a European dance company though? Yeah, and yeah. they were uh, visiting Michigan. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, it's a good thing you were there then. I had so much luck to be there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I did a lot of photography there. And there I also discovered like this new dance movements and people. And I got to photograph them in the performance. Mm -hmm. So because I we had like student tickets, I could get like very cheap tickets and be in the front. Yeah. And just put my camera in my backpack and put my best face and smile in the front <laughs> and go and shoot them. Yeah. And these people, because they are like amazing professionals, they don't care if you are shooting them. Right. So you can do it. Well, I don't know if they care, but <laughs> they seem to be they very... They understand it. Yeah. It's part of it. Right, right. Yeah. So I could get a lot of images there mm -hmm. from dance people, but also for, from musicians. And that was incredible. Yeah. And it was at the time something very important for me, because I was in kind of still are very isolated mm -hmm. in terms of the language because I didn't speak English, and I could kind of get into a dynamic and in touch in a way with people through the image making. Right. Yeah. So that was a huge change in in my life. You know, thinking about these images that you took of this dance company and their performance, how difficult was it to decide when you were going to pull the camera up and, and see the world through a lens and see the world through more stopped images? And, and when could you just kind of sit back and, and allow the dance to happen in front of you? I know I would have a hard time navigating those two things. I think something that happened when you're in a performance is that you're entered a flow state. Mm -hmm. And you kind of go with the music and the movement. And that gives you, lead you, and give you like the pace that you, you should follow. If you enter in that dynamic, you are safe. You will get the pictures. Yeah. If you don't enter that dynamic, then you probably won't get, oh, probably you can have a couple of decent images. But in my experience with, any, with music or dancers, that's the key. Mm -hmm. When you, you allow yourself to flow with them, to feel where are the stops and the, when they are getting into the peak of the thing or they are going down in the tension. Right. You, but you have to feel it. Yeah, yeah. And so then going from those dance, then I think about the images you took of jazz musicians. There was a lot that um, recently were in a show that in Oshkosh, which was I, I was really happy that you were able to hang some of that work in there. But um, then you were also going and following around and um, capturing people in the moment. And, and some people, it was, it was a total mix of, I think, of levels in career, like you captured Diana Krall, but then you also were capturing people very early in their career. So you were taking kind of a wide range of subjects, correct? Yeah. And it is amazing when you have like... Diana Kroll or Bebel Gilberto, but the thing, again, is to enter the dynamic of the music, mm -hmm. whatever music you are listening. So you can go in the street and see something that is very special yes. and get in that moment, and that's the picture. 
The picture is there and it's calling you. You know, the other day that, that was so, so, I felt so bad because um, we were in Chicago and was this concert by Juanes, which is a pop singer from Colombia. Okay. And I didn't bring my camera because I don't know, I was mad for something probably. <laughs> I was late, <laughs> I was hungry, whatever. Yeah. So Horacio, my husband told me, let's go to the concert. We were yeah. already arriving. I was like, great. Then we arrived to the concert. Nobody saw our backs. I got to be in front of the guy, and I didn't have my my camera. Oh, you, you weren't ready for it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my, I couldn't take the pictures. And then I was thinking, well, probably that was like a, a divine message to enjoy without seeing through the camera. Yeah, I was going to say, then were you able to eventually have a different appreciation for the music that you don't? I was missing my camera so much. Really? <laughs> yeah. So that's what you were thinking about? Yeah, definitely. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. I enjoy it. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> but I wanted the camera. Yeah, yeah. Are, do you think of yourself as like a documentary photo um photojournalist or are you a portraiture photojournalist or what do you think you're people love to put things in people in categories right do you find yourself in a certain category would how would you categorize your photography i really don't know christian and i know that i like make the fact or the, the act of making pictures mm -hmm. And sometimes that is taking a portrait. Yep. Sometimes it's, that's being on the street. But I don't know exactly what it is. Probably if I went to school to study photography, I would probably know a little bit more. <laughs> but I didn't. So the camera is something that I understood or I, I took as part of my life later. So I don't know exactly what it is. And I don't know if it is something. Yeah. You know, but it's definitely, it has been a, a tool for me to understand things or build a relationship with my present mm -hmm. that in other ways, I don't know how could be my life. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I do think kind of categorizing things and saying I'm only going to sit in this one lane with my work is is really um, defeating the point of being an artist and having that freedom um, to say, okay, I'm going to shoot landscape and then I'm going to go shoot a uh, dance or song or self-portraiture that you ended up doing for quite some time also um, in a journalistic fashion. But maybe your photography isn't about any one type of subject at all, but it is just that appreciation of yourself and the subject. And maybe it is more of a, of a personal journey of understanding yourself within the world. Is Bro, that, am yeah. I reading anything into no, that? No, no, or? that's, I'll say exactly that. Probably that's the more, the most important thing for me is, a it's an exercise that helped me, to be here mm -hmm. and to see things. And probably it's also a way to protect myself, to put something between me and the reality that sometimes hits so hard. Yeah, right. But then you did this whole series of photography, the self-portraiture photography, that you are absolutely... Um, putting yourself out there and any type of veils or um, shields between you and the outside are completely gone because now you're doing photography of yourself and in a journalistic way of, of a documentation, I guess. What, what does that work about? Do you want to, do you mind sharing sure. what's going on with that? Something that has been a, a huge change for me is the idea of losing your country. So that's something that is a very special feeling. Probably everybody's losing their countries yeah. 
or the idea that they have of their country when they are becoming older. So things have changed too much that you cannot relate to sure. that thing. But what that, when that happened in this way that is so dramatic, it is so hard. So you don't have the right to go. You don't have the right to, or it's probably too difficult to get people you love with you. You cannot go to your streets or hug people you love and see the light as you know the light or the smells. You don't have your books anymore. You don't have um, your furniture. You don't have those things anymore. So what, what are the things that you have? Mm -hmm. And that's so little. It's yourself. Yeah. So this is the only thing that I have. Well, now I have two cats, too. <laughs> very important part of my life. <laughs> the cats are important. The cats are yeah, very cats important. Are very important. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so <laughs> when I realized that I didn't have... That I was like living in that um, pain of losing all those things that are so important to me, I wanted to do something with, with what I had... I have, which is my body. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I started like taking those those self portraits. Yeah. That is mostly me, yeah. and no other like objects. Sometimes it's just myself. Mm -hmm. Have you shared those with um, your family in my Venezuela? Mo my mom hates them. Your so mother much. hates them. <laughs> yeah, but you know, just because of subject matter or. Because I'm naked. Because, yeah, I mean, <laughs> is that what she doesn't like? Or yeah, is she it... said, that, is that necessary? Well, <laughs> but then, you know, if you were wearing, um, you know, you have this T-shirt and you're wearing a very um, Americanized clothing, then would that start to defeat the purpose of thinking about, you know, loss and thinking about what you walked away from if you were photographing yourself not in maybe a state that was natural to Venezuela, but instead it's now something that you've taken on some of these Americanized um, fashions or, or whatever. I think that probably will evolve with time. Mm -hmm. Definitely for my mom, it's not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> but she, does she understand the, the reasoning? I mean, she might hate the photography, but... Or not the, she doesn't, I bet she doesn't hate the photography. She probably is, yeah, not so much into yeah, she's, the method, but does she appreciate the meaning? Um, I think she doesn't understand it that much. She understands that it is not easy for me. Yeah. And sometimes she evades the subject and she says, that, that's not necessary, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but at the end, uh, she gets along with that. Yeah. And my dad simply doesn't want to talk about it. Yeah, well, I can understand that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, but probably that will evolve with time and with the relationship that everybody, or in this case myself, I developed in this experience of living in in this place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was completely unexpected. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad you're here. So. I, I'm glad I found you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited um, for things that can happen over the next few years and collaborative work and kind of just keeping each other accountable to doing new things. So I'm super excited that you're a part of our community. So what are your parents do are they artists or what's their background you you should meet them i, I really want to meet you your parents i really do yeah well my dad is a pediatrician okay yeah so well he has like a very uh, interesting story because he wanted to go to to the university to study um, um literature but he couldn't because that was far away and he couldn't like go to to college for that so he yeah. did medicine which is not related at all but that's what he did and yeah. then he went into the pediatric school and my mom always stayed with me well with my my siblings and i but they are always like inventing stuff my mom is very good like at doing things uh, uh, 
with fabric and doing clothing for us. And my dad is always inventing ways <laughs> for our house to work properly. So they are very creative so, people. So, okay, your house to work properly. Like <laughs> something breaks and he figures out a way to fix it in, a, in an ingenious way? Or is he like, there has to be a better way to do this? Um, and develops a whole little process. What? Both. Yeah, yeah. He can like they made like the whole closets in an apartment, and like that invents way in the, in the plants can grow and receive more light sure. or things like that. They yeah. are all always inventing ways of how can the house be like in a better shape. And they love their house so. Is their life project. So we, my siblings and I, we, we grow up like seeing my mom like sewing is the, the word when you like do clothing. Se uh, seamstress? Uh, no, sewing, sewing. Uh, sewing? Probably that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she's very, very creative. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Has she now. Because of um, the nude photos he take, as she sent you a box of clothing then that she made and said you can wear this oh for your next God. series. <laughs> what would it look like if she sent you a box of clothing? What, what would she make for you? Well, she's a very particular person because yeah. even though she hates the naked stuff, she will always want me to dress with short skirts. And oh. I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> I always went to, you know, my jeans and my yeah, leggings. Right. And my, but yeah. she wants me to do that or, uh, and do makeup. And oh, I yeah. don't do makeup. No. So even though <laughs> she's like, you know, very particular on that. But I, I don't know. And they are probably sending me some stuff for the winter. Mm -hmm. Like earrings that they made. My sister also is. She's artistic, your sister is? Very. Yeah. So they probably will send me a box or st of stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Has your family been able to come to the States and visit? Once. Yeah. When was that? In 2012. Wow. Yeah. That's some time. Yeah, my dad r ran two half marathons. Oh, half marathons? Okay. Yeah. yeah. And my mother just complained. <laughs> <laughs> what did she complain about the weather or that he was off running and practicing all the time exactly or, yeah and Horacio was practicing all the time so oh. everybody was practicing something yeah yeah it was fun hmm. do you and your husband play cello together oof sometimes because yeah. he started like, trying to teach me and I am not his student and I get mad easily just with him no, yeah. with, you know. <laughs> I'm not in any kind of danger here. No, though. no, it's just with him. Yeah. 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 Well, he's a lovely guy. I got, I'm finally glad I got to meet him once at one of our little get-togethers, and I hope to talk to more to your You know, too. in Venezuela, when yeah. someone tells you, like, someone is, like, nice, they tell you, you have to live with it. With him oh, with him. so you get the better appreciation? Yeah, but mm. you tell like in a bad way. You say, viva con él, which is like, wait until you see. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he is a lovely person and and it's nice to have a, a cellist at home. Yeah. When he's not playing. Right. Oh, when he's not <laughs> playing. Oh, my goodness. How often is he practicing? Is he all the time or is it... Yeah, he that's his life, and that's something that he needs to do in a regular basis. If not, he feels so bad. Yeah, he used to practice like every day, uh, mostly from eight in the morning to ten when he starts teaching. Mm -hmm. And sometimes he comes home and he does a one hour or one hour and a half more. Yeah, yeah. So, you're doing poetry right now. Anything on the horizon for what you're working with with your like I'm I have I realized I have nothing going on in the near future that I need to be making work for that's beautiful it's terrifying no I am so young. fucking please. scared right now <laughs> but that means that you know I, I told myself I'm going to sit down for the last whatever I don't even know what day it is so the last month and a half of this year and plan out like my next two years and and I, I think I'm actually going to start working more um, with dance and music and, and my visuals. 
Um, do you, where do you see yourself progressing with your work at this point? I don't have an idea. I want to survive. Yeah. That's my main goal. Like, if I arrive... You know, taking up the arts isn't always the easiest thing when oh. it's a survival method. It's, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah. It's true. Yeah. But I don't have things in mind right now. Probably writing more and trying of exercising approach things in a more relaxed way. I have been like too much in a niche for so many years, like feeling so stressed mm -hmm. about communication, about the facts that you're an immigrant or the facts that whatever your legal situation is. So right now I am exercising being a little bit less stressed and allowing myself to look things not in a survival mode, but more in a, this is what we have right now and this is okay. Yeah. And it's not easy, probably because your level of stress are used to be too high. Sure. Have things been super stressful for you personally lately just because of like politics around here and people's ideas about immigration and people that aren't yeah and we're in wisconsin so you know people that aren't just white all the time how's, well, how's this been for you something that is um that demanding a lot of yourself is to translate every human experience you have every single day. Yeah. So you don't know what are the gestures of kindness or the gestures of rejections or what are the language you are speaking or others are speaking in, 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 like in gesture. So I have been very stressed mm -hmm. of saying things that are n not politically correct. So I have been, I, I need to be very careful all the time and or not having good like oral skills or whatever those things are push you all the time on an edge so you don't know what to say if you are saying it in a good moment sometimes i understand everything that people is saying but sometimes i understand just 70 percent or yeah those weird nuances you might not get or whatever you yeah. don't understand and you don't have time to say i don't understand can you repeat that mm -hmm. so that pull you stress and stress and stress and stress so right now what i want is like to try to be a little bit more relaxed yeah and on the other hand of course there is the stress related to like are we getting our visas are we we in our process to get our green cards we have like two rejections so if you don't get your green card there is a country to go back so why if you don't get the green card so Horacio and i were like probably we should go to Colombia or other places in Latin America, but still you are always running and having like the clock there. Mm -hmm. Now we have a green car, yeah. which is amazing. Oh, good. When did that happen? It, it happened a year ago. Yeah. Okay. Got it happened it. during COVID. Oh, good yeah. news. From that is good news. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So right now we know that we can stay here mm -hmm. at least for 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> and, that it's, things go well, we can have a, probably an American passport at some point, and that will be amazing. So I want to just get a little bit of rest. Yeah. Right now, um, there's a, um, she's a Mexican-born artist, and she's a documented illegal alien, and she's hanging work up at the Trout Museum of Art in Appleton. Um, her and her husband are here for the exhibition that opens tomorrow night, and I hope you get a chance to meet her and her husband. Her name's Arlene, and his name is Nelson. Um, she lives in Brooklyn, and he lives in San Francisco, and so wow. they're trying to figure out their lives like that. But the work she does is all about kind of, um, I don't want to talk too much into what she is working with, because I don't completely understand it, meaning 
it's hard to understand something if you don't live it. Like I mm-hmm. can't even imagine some of the things that you could could talk about. But I think she is talking about that um, the process of. Have you seen any of her work yet? No, Arlene's work. Okay, so it is presented on black fabric. She was a painter. She had to um, because I think it was because of COVID. She had to like redo the way she was approaching her artwork because she didn't have a large studio. So, so she started doing things on fabric and with scraps. And so she has these large sheets of black that she draws these outlines of people. And a lot of times it's a, you know, like a mother and a child or whatnot. And then she um, has stitched in scraps of fabric in um, not filling in all the outlines that she's put in, but just very specific parts. And my understanding is um, that there's an element of when the lights are out and you start flashing your phone, uh, a light onto it from like your phone, some of the fabric is reflective and it will start like giving some new uh, light to what her pieces are about. And I think it's about this um, loss and this about, you know, of not being seen and what is it to, you know, thinking about her, her status here in the country and, Maybe there's a certain fear of being seen, but at the same time wanting to be seen mm-hmm. as an individual. And I think that there's like this this fight. Did you feel things like that or have you? Well, it will be like the immigration process is very different for each like individual and also for the place you come and the conditions you come. Mm-hmm. I was once reading um, a book and the last question is, how did you arrive? By plane? And I arrived by plane. Sure. So this, a, a lot of these people that is ar- are arriving by the south border, they are not <laughs> arriving by plane. So yeah. they are walking. Yeah. And that's, uh, another world of conditions and the level of stress and pain is something that I am not even closed. Mm-hmm. I know that for me it has been a whole journey uh, and it hasn't been easy in any way. But I know that my situation wasn't not even close to what the people that is crossing that border is. That's so you're feeling fortunate with... Absolutely. Yeah, yeah there is no way. I, I arrived by plane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and we did have so little, but we, we have yeah. a, a legal situation. We arrived with a student's visa, mm-hmm. which is a completely different story than just going, uh, taken by an officer when you land, when, when you step here and you say that you are... A, Crossing the, and they you go to those spaces full of people that is in that are in limbo like with almost nobody um, give you any security that what will happen to you or your kids. Yeah. My husband and I we we were very lucky mm-hmm. and still it's very traumatic. I don't know if or how these people get to to settle the level of emotion that they bring with them when they cross the border. Yeah. Do you talk about it all that? um, Level of... The fortunate situations that you you were able to have when you you came here, do you talk about that at all in your poetry at all? Or... I don't read Spanish. I'd love to be able to understand your poetry better. <laughs> Maybe I just need to know, what are you writing about right now? Well, I write about the things that I feel I have missed. Mm-hmm. And those parts that I feel are left somewhere and that I wish I can reunit and in a way get together when I put put them there in that piece of of words. So it's mostly about that. Yeah. 
So it's kind of similar, I guess, to your self-portrait photos, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, pro yeah, definitely. Yeah. Hmm. What are you looking forward to? Survive, really. Survive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's the thing. And probably if I get to write more every day, if I get to have the energy to get some pictures, if I get to have the opportunity to be in front of the world landscape, if I got the chance to talk to people I love and spend digital time with them, that will be like probably a success. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. And you said that you got to meet me because of my, of my images, but that's mm -hmm. not true. No. You got to meet so me. So this this whole I, this all started with a lie. Yeah. This whole exactly. interview started and with I, a lie. Yeah, I need to do that correction because that's not true. Mm -hmm. I was that I had the amazing luck to go into a cafe. And oh, get. this is right. So, <laughs> oh, okay. Yes. I need to back all that up. Oh, yeah, because I found this amazing thing that Katarina and you were doing, mm -hmm. the journal. Yeah. And I got to see that stuff and I said, this is amazing. I need to write an email to these people and tell them that this is wonderful. Mm -hmm. And that's why we got to meet in another cafe. We drank a coffee. Yeah. And that was the first time we met. And that's that right. was amazing and that changed a lot of my situation here. Now we have the, our monthly meeting that is like my favorite thing in the world. I really love that too. That community is, is so good. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. So I needed to do that correction, Christian. It wasn't accurate. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, I have a feeling that between you finding FSM at, um, oh, I think it was at Akoka, a right? Coca, yeah. At Akoka. Um, Oh, I was supposed to go to Okoka today, and I forgot. Um, so seeing that there, and us meeting for coffee at wherever we met, which mm -hmm. might have been at Br Br Brood, Brood Awakenings, right? Exactly. That is where I went. I went there twice. <laughs> so uh, twice today, lots of coffee. <laughs> um, probably in between those times, I did probably um, do a little Google searching on Natalie to see what you were all about. I probably did see your photos <laughs> prior to meeting you, but you're correct. That email was the first... Um, Introduction. I'm glad that um, Katarina and I took a chance to kind of put that paper out there and, and make those connections. Yeah, that was an amazing project, and that's how I got to meet you, and Katarina, which is an amazing person too, and then Courtney, mm -hmm. and my life radically changed after that because I got to meet other people that are trying to create stuff, that are trying to think about the world or making sense of things that are not related as yeah. we started. And that was a, a relief for me and it changed everything. Hmm. I'm, I'm so glad that that happened. What is a way that, um, as I see this huge disconnect between, I'm an abstract painter generally, I do other things, but um, like, Artists in the 60s and 70s, they kind of went in one direction with their work and became more and more um, insular in the, in the way, the language that they used in comparison to the general public. Mm -hmm. Like the public went to the right and the artists went to the left. And I'm working hard to kind of educate and maybe both sides on how to like talk to each other and understand, you know, what the artists are doing and... Um, how would you make those connections between art and just, you know, the rest of our community? Do you ever think about how, what you can do to kind of take the ways that you connect through the world and through your art and put that in, and instruct a community on how to appreciate it in that way? Oof, that's a, uh, a very difficult question uh, or, or subject. To, to think about because I, th there is not a, an easy answer. Probably some of the things that we need 
to do is in schools. Yeah. I love the work. So kids get to see that art is not something that is in boring museums and you know can you imagine art being boring uh, no but I that's know. <laughs> oh my goodness well <laughs> no, i'm not a good example but for a lot of them yeah. museums are just something that they don't go it's from adults yeah. they don't get what it is uh, so probably a good way to start is creating experiences for kids to go to the museums and probably they don't under they won't understand some of the things but they got to see mm-hmm. another world i remember that when my niece was like growing my sister used to put in the plate like different stuff even though she knew that my niece wasn't prepared to eat like the broccoli or stuff but she could see the broccoli and the, okay. <laughs> you know? All right. And the, so we're talking about broccoli. Okay. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> exactly. So the broccoli was there, and she knew that the broccoli was part of the meal. And one day she got curious and she ate the broccoli. And probably uh-huh. it wasn't that nice, but you know, it's part of the plate. But something that I think is important is that kids learn that and they can also motivate their parents mm-hmm. to do those activities with them. Yeah. So that's a part of it, at least. And something that I feel that also is important is to do things outside, probably like more art actions where people can get involved and get curious about what happened with those people that are doing things outside. Right. So we're going about, well, although we could do some things outside, I did some um, performance pieces out in Chicago when I was in school out in the winter where we were like, we were out on those, on the um, downtown Chicago and we were, it was this, we were pouring water over each other in the freezing cold. Oof. Yeah, it was just a stupid project that a bunch of us college kids were working on at the time. But um, would you be interested in, in doing something outside and doing some kind of like surprise art? I'll be interested. Yeah. I think that can be a good way also to push yourself and see what happened yeah. in term, terms of the reaction also that you get from people. That can be interesting. And let's call it Eat Your Broccoli. Eat your exactly. broccoli. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Dig into the plate. Okay. So um, I think we're coming up onto like an hour on this little conversation. Um, and I do love ta- oh, 59 minutes and 40 seconds. So about wow. right on an hour. <laughs> um, I do love talking to you, but I, I, you know, maybe we can do a part two at some point. Of course. Um, anything you want to leave us with? What do you want to tell the public? Hmm. I'm not like good at telling things for people. What do you want to tell yourself? To believe mm-hmm. in something, probably because I don't believe in so many things. I want. I love to start believing in something. Yeah. Probably it's too late. It's not too late. <laughs> it's not too. Late. Believe in something. Yeah, I like that. Well, Natalie, oh, and one last thing. Did you think of, of whom I should try to interview next? Oh, my God, I have been thinking about this. I'm, uh, not, okay. I'm not sure yet. There is a, a professor at Lawrence that I m- met once, and his work is something that is in my mind, and is Shimon, uh, John Shimon. Music? No, he's a photographer. Photographer. And he's also painting. As oh, a, okay. Probably you know who he is. I think I might, yeah. For He is a very interesting guy, mm-hmm. and his photography is something that is there in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because I'd like, oh. you're already having John which is uh, my star. <laughs> so um, John Nance, he's a, yeah. a, a young Appleton photographer and um, did some beautiful portraits of you that 
he was just um, on Instagram. He was showing, you know, he's been processing them in his dark room and, and he really can, is doing an amazing job capturing people. Yeah, he's incredible. Yeah. And I think, and he's too young. Yeah. He has like his whole 20s to develop a whole style, style and technique. Mm -hmm. And I'm completely in love w w with what he's doing right now. But you have already him in your list. So different than him. And John Shimon is someone that is very interesting. Yeah. All right, I will file that up. So, Please. <laughs> thank you, Natalie. Thanks for your time. Thank you, Christian. Right. Take care. Bye. Thank you again for checking out FSM, the podcast. If you're listening to this on a podcast app, please consider clicking subscribe to get upcoming episodes direct to your feed. Or if you're listening to us through Anchor FM or on our website, fsm.inc, you can search for FSM, the podcast, on your favorite podcast app to find us. Until next time, remember, art is not a privilege. It's so fun.